You're listening to Between the Guidelines. I'm your host, Ben Wright. I'd just like to say thank you for sharing this time with me. I really appreciate it. And I hope you find the information here as helpful, as insightful, and as enjoyable as I did while interviewing my guest. Today on the show, I'll be interviewing Tim Slusser. Tim has worked as a river guide, a rock climbing guide, a wilderness EMT, a high adventure programs coordinator, and everything in between. He is now the director of outdoor recreation at University of Lynchburg here in my home state of Virginia. Since time of recording, his title has changed, so please disregard the discrepancy here. I've known Tim for many years now, and he has taught me so much. What leadership and service look like in the outdoor industry, how to create an amazing organizational culture, and well, how to be a duck. If you're interested in learning how to do these things as well, then keep listening. And if you'd like to learn more, please check out my substack Between the Guidelines, or email me at betweentheguidelines at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your story and connect with you. In the meantime, enjoy. Tell me a little bit about what you do. So I am the Assistant Director of Outdoor Recreation and Education here at the University of Lynchburg. My, my job is to get students engaged and outside. Love it. Yeah, so I do that through a variety of ways. Um, the bulk of my job is spent running the outdoor recreation department, and then I also oversee the outdoor leadership program where we use the outdoors to create uh, learning environments and create positive outcomes. So uh, the spiel I give to, to people who usually aren't in the know is it's more than just hiking, it's more than just paddling. It's more than just climbing. They're learning more than how to set up a tent. They're learning a lot of team dynamics, leadership skills, things like that. Heck yeah, man. So why, why is that an important aspect of your outdoor rec program? Ooh, a good question. Um, well, there's a lot of value added for the students, right? So it... You know, when the students leave, I've had this a number of times where students have come back and said that my program, they learned more about themselves and about leadership in my program than they ever did in the classroom. So I think uh, it's, you know, when, when you compare it to the traditional academic class that's, you know, taught in a classroom or in a lecture hall, it looks very different. But I think the students are coming out of my expeditions and my programs with arguably the same or more knowledge. I dig it. That's awesome. So that's that's like from the student side. Yeah. What about like from the staffing side? Like as a, a program coordinator and outdoor rec director? Like, oh, why do I do it? Well, or, what is the benefit to your staff? Right? You talk about it for oh, like the students uh, who are participants. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I have a staff of eight student employees and they are great. They, they do a really good job. I give them a lot of autonomy. I think more so than probably other similar programs in the field. Um, I hold them to a pretty high standard. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to get them, so there's a heavy investment. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of certification and training, uh, both um, certification programs that they can take away and, and take to another job after they graduate or on, the, on their summer vacation, or, um, you know, the leadership training, the interpersonal training, all that. They, they, 
I heavily invest in them. So by the time they leave, you know, I've got a pretty good track record. A lot of my students have gone out and chosen to to work professionally in the outdoors as outdoor professionals, and that's really exciting. And they're doing really great things, and I'm really proud of them. So, still yeah, they get they get a lot of opportunity to exercise those skills and experiences. So by the time they graduate, they're in top demand. And then, um, what about you? For for yourself, what's the benefit for you? I love it. I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. Hmm. I think uh, the student interactions make a lot of it worth it for me. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about guiding professionally was getting to meet people and getting to spend time with them. And then I also really enjoyed the educational side of working in the outdoors, you know, teaching people what they needed to do. And uh, I think my position now kind of affords me the, the best of both worlds, right? Mm. I get more of a traditional uh, career, right? I have, you know, a traditional schedule for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get to teach a lot. And I get to work in the outdoors. Uh, there's a joke in my office that I'm never in my office. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really enjoy getting to spend those aha moments with the students, mm. right? So when they're in the backcountry, and they, they have that, that kind of backcountry epiphany, right? That's, I really like being around for that. Yeah. Is there another time that was, like, kind of pivotal and, like, oh, outdoor rec is, like, really what I want to do? I think it was always kind of there, right? So I honestly didn't even know that I could get this job. <laughs> and then after I found out that it was a right. thing, then I was like, oh, that's a one in a million chance. I'll never get that. Right. <laughs> and yeah. then I finally somehow lucked my way into it. And then, yeah, now I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, what's, what's some of that story? Like if you had to like do the elevator pitch of like, I did this and then I did this and then I did this and now I have my dream job. In high school, I went up to uh, the the Blue Ridge Mountains Council, they, the Boy Scouts, had a summer camp up in Hawassi, Virginia, where they did a lot of high adventure programming, as you know. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I went up there in a high school. I went to a, a military high school down in Florida, and we went on a summer leadership outing up to up there, and we did the whitewater rafting and all, all the, the rock climbing and the caving and all the things, and... While we were up there, uh, there was a bit of an incident on the river, and uh, long story short, um, the, the water was got really high really fast, the dam released, and they weren't expecting it to rise quite so quickly, and a lot of the boats flipped, and they were lost, and so there was a lot of my, my cohort from my class that were stuck on the side of the river, and... I just kind of grouped them up, and we made a plan, and we hike, ended up hiking out on the railroad tracks. And afterwards, they were like, hey, you want a job? <laughs> so I'm not sure if it was risk mitigation <laughs> or if they really thought, like, wow, you did a good job. But I was 15, and so I was too young to work. So I came back when I was 16, and I started working for them. Uh, and I worked there, worked my way up through the program, worked there a long time. When I was 18, I uh, decided that I needed to go back to school and get some more medical training. And so I went to EMT school in Florida, my senior year of high school. 
and I, I wanted to be a better river guide, uh, having that medical training, and decided uh, I got kind of roped into uh, pursuing a career in fire and EMS. So I think a lot of the, the skills that make somebody a pretty good river guide make somebody pretty good in EMS as well in mm-hmm. emergency medicine. And so uh, my instructor in EMT school said that, you know, if you really want to make money, you need to go to paramedic school. Mm-hmm. So I went to paramedic school and then I went to fire school. And then I graduated and realized I just wanted to be a raft guide. (laughs) 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 So I would work the summer season up in West Virginia. And then I would go back and I would work in EMS and for the fire department and eventually worked my way into the ER. And I worked in a couple different emergency rooms in Florida. I would do that in the winter and then go back to West Virginia. And I did that for a long time. Eventually working my way up to running the company, uh, being the river manager uh, in charge of the kind of the high adventure program. Did that until basically I got tired of commuting to the mountains Mm -hmm. and so decided to make the move here full time. Was in nursing school at Lynchburg. Uh, Worked with the guy who was running the outdoor program at the time. Actually worked with him at the same company. And he kind of, when he was leaving and pursuing a different career, was able to kind of open a space, and I kind of fell into it. Mm. They needed somebody to run the program. I stopped going to nursing school, uh, and I finished my degree in liberal arts studies. Nice. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who's wanting a position like yours? Get a lot of experience. Right. Varied experience. So, you know, education is important. I think there's a big shift right now where the traditional education, you know, the the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, isn't quite as important as the experience. Hmm. Um, I think it it really depends school to school what they're looking for and what they want you to do and what your position to look like. Hmm. I know here at Lynchburg, and, and I think this is the trend in the industry, is that they care more about your experience level than they do your your actual education level. There's a lot of students, not to, to put down any anybody's program or anything like that, but there's a lot of students graduating with master's degrees that can't do the same things that my students are doing mm. before they even have their degree. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think you know the degree means something if you're going to teach or you're going to go into wilderness therapy. I think that's really great, and you should definitely pursue that. But the the experience is really something that that I think is very marketable and transferable. So I encourage my students to go and to go out to guide professionally, to go try new things, to go work, go apply for those jobs, and then try a bunch of different jobs, right? Don't just get stuck as a raft guide. Mm-hmm. Go do something different. Go be a rock climbing guide or go go be a canoe guide or mm-hmm. go work for Outward Bound or go work for Knowles or go, go work for a varied amount of companies and get a varied amount of experience yeah yeah i i think you know i'm a a jack of all trades master of none mm-hmm. right so i do caving rock climbing by water rafting kayaking canoeing sea kayaking pretty much yeah pretty much everything we do i, I do i think you know if you 
go out and get those varied experiences, it makes yourself more marketable. For sure. It can't ever hurt. No, absolutely. <laughs> the, I suppose the question, right, getting past like the logistics of where you've worked and what you did and da 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 is why. You're saying like, I want this job, it's a one in a million, but what are some of the factors that like influence that desire? If you would have asked me that question while I was still working, you know, for the Scouts or in West Virginia, I would say it had something to do with connecting people to the outdoors. I feel that, you know, for someone to really care about a space, I cared passionately, deeply about wild spaces, you know, for someone to really care, they need to have a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't know, if you can yell at somebody all you want, not to pollute or don't throw your trash out the window, things like that. It doesn't mean anything until they know why, right? Mm. I've always been a why person. Mm. My parents can, and can attest for that. that. And your son now, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's the, you know, I, I don't like following rules unless I know why, right? Mm. And so giving people the why on why they should care and why they should protect space and why they should care about the the wild spaces and the public lands is, is very important for me. And so, you know, I think, you know, five, six years ago, I would have said that. Yeah. And I think it's still a little bit that, right? Yeah. So I think now I really, I like working with the students and I like seeing the education. And I think it, it's, it's caring about wild spaces plus, right? Hmm. Plus I get to see the students develop and see them grow mm. and watch them go from you know zero to hero mm. right and watch those epiphany moments and that's really special yeah right so it's when i worked in ems you know you would treat the patient and get them to the er and then when i worked in the er you'd have them for a little bit longer but you you treat the patient keep them from dying hopefully and move them out to like the trauma room or move them out to the to the ICU or wherever they needed to go for that kind of definitive care. And it was it was not every day that you would get feedback, right? Mm. And you could see the outcomes of the effort that you put in. Mm. And in this job, I really get to see the outcome. I get to see the student that I worked really hard with who's grown and I get to see them kind of morph in that change firsthand and I, I really enjoy that what is standing out to me is that a couple years back right when you were working with scouts in West Virginia it was your relationship to nature and connecting and getting participants into it and now it's as you've grown in your career you're taking that next step forward and getting your staff and your students into a place where they're connecting participants to nature so it's yeah that deepening of the relationship not just with outdoor space but with the people that you're connecting for sure outdoor space for sure yeah i would totally agree with that statement and uh it's really cool you know the, the students who have gone off and and guided professionally or not you know they don't not all of them do and that's cool too they some of them are lawyers whatever <laughs> <laughs> but they, some of them are doctors and yeah, diseases, you know, but. but some of them are rap guys. <laughs> Just one. Yeah. And, but they'll they'll call me and they'll 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 share their stories and stuff, and I really love that. I love so. that, man. 
That's so good. So you're you're talking about sort of leading and mentoring your staff and and like me for sure, right? <laughs> like you got me in and and got me over myself and through some some tough guide days for sure, <laughs> <laughs> or put me in the tough guide days. <laughs> It's all about that growth experience, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, who are some of the people who pushed you, you know, and mentored you in your career? Oh man, there's so many. So, John Meyer and Maggie House, got to give them a shout out. Mm. Uh, they were the first two that hired me when I was a 15 year old kid, and. I think Maggie especially gave me a lot of opportunity when I think most sane and rational people wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, that's meant in a loving term of endearment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she, you know, I remember the first caving trip I ever led was I was 16 and I'd been caving a bunch and I really enjoyed it. And the trip leader was, was out and she was like, can you do this? Yes. And she gave me the opportunity. And I think that, for me, is is a lot of uh, a lot of it is just getting the opportunity to try. Mm. You know, same same through through every opportunity I've had. There's been so many trip leaders and so many mentors that it's really hard to to pick just one or two out. But yeah, that's stellar, man. I love that. Yeah, you're definitely one of the people for me. No. So, okay, so those were some of your, like, first, like, professional experiences or, or unprofessional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of right? You know, sometimes learning can come from what not to do, right? Okay. Sometimes you see the show. Sometimes, sometimes you, you are the, the show. show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of risk management is learning what not to do. Dude, I talked to a guy back when I was just starting out, and I was just like, how do I be a guide? How do I do all the right things? Do, 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 do. And he just, like slowed me down and went, well, you just pray you make mistakes that don't kill people. Yep. And I was like, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mistakes can't be a part of this. Like, how do I not make mistakes? And he was just like, yeah, man, like, you drop a carabiner or you, like, measure your rope out wrong or da you know, and hopefully everything's backed up or, like, you don't embarrass yourself too bad. But he's like, but you learn from that stuff too, you know, just don't get people hurt and then everything's just fine tuning. I had a, a really good uh, paramedic school instructor and she was great, uh, Gina Harp. And she was awesome and she was definitely one of those mentors for me. And it's funny, I don't know if she probably realizes how much she had an impact on me, but she, um, one of the things she said as we were getting ready to be done with the class was great you're now know enough to be dangerous <laughs> right try, try not to kill people yes and be a duck that's that's some advice that i i give my students all the time right okay right so ducks are calm on the surface of the water and they look very stoic but then underneath the water they're kicking and flapping their little hearts <laughs> out right so it's okay to be scared shitless yeah. But on top of the water, let your clients just, you're done. You're very <laughs> stuck. Right. I love that. Something that I've been trying to work more heavily on with my staff is, is doing, you know, near miss reporting and debriefing, mm. trying to encourage that every trip we do, 
and even multiple times during the trips because yeah. I think that there's so much good learning that comes out of opportunities like that, totally. right? You know, that you almost died, but you didn't. Yeah. So let's figure out how not to do that. Dude, you know? and, yeah, and it takes, I guess, maybe the humility to, like, admit that you didn't set up perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think probably the worst guide is the one that, like, won't admit that something could be improved. No, for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I th- it's got a little bit to do with culture, right? Mm. So, you know, I try, sometimes it's hard, right? Because you're, like, so frustrated. You're like, oh, my gosh, I told you to not do this, like, eight <laughs> times, and I still did it. But, um, you know, it, it, you have to create a culture where it's not not a penalizing thing, right? Right. Mm. So where, you know, your risk, man- risk management culture is set up right to where mm. you don't have to worry about being penalized because you made a mistake right wow. or okay you know you screwed up you admitted it that's cool yeah. right and yeah. i've actually we've had to deal with this before on the river right in that same year that year you worked for me uh-huh. had two guys make a mistake one guy owned it yeah. right did some remediation they were back on the water yeah other guy refused and we had to do some different work with them. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to create a culture where they'll come to you, they'll own their mistakes, they'll learn from them and adapt, and that's the better guide, mm. right? I'd mm. rather have someone who knows how to make mistakes and fix them than someone who is perfect because you don't know what's going to happen when they fail. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about, like, the professional side, yeah. right, and the professional development. What about your like personal recreation? What are what are like some early outdoor rec memories that created that love and the relationship with wild spaces? I think the earliest outdoor memories I have are just me playing outside. You know, I, I was fortunate to to live in an area where I could recreate outside safely. I grew up in Florida on kind of like a mangrove island kind of deal. So I would play in the mangroves and the swamps and me and my cousin would build forts out of driftwood and broken docks that would wash up. So that's probably the earliest, uh, earliest outdoor memory. But, you know, my parents uh, took me and my brother to a river every year. We'd spend our family vacation was spent going up to the springs in North Florida. And my grandfather was, was pretty instrumental and took us. My grandfather and my grandmother both took me and my brother to a lot of the national parks growing up. So very fortunate to be pretty well-traveled and well-versed in, in public lands. And so I think that really kind of instilled the bug. So if you're looking for someone to blame, <laughs> he's the one. Grandpa Slusser. Gra- Bayless. <laughs> my, my, Bayless. My, yeah, my, uh, my mother's father. But yeah, That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's stellar. What are some ways that listeners can get involved in wild spaces and increasing inclusivity? Well, I think... A lot of it, I think we do a good job um, of, you know, being welcoming. Mm. I think we just need to be a little bit more mindful about mm. how we, we make those, you know, interactions, right? Mm. And I think, you know, when you're out and about, right, you know, there's a right, kind of a right way and a wrong way to interact with people, right? So, like... As an example, you know, I teach my, my outdoor leaders, right, when they're out hiking, you know, they, they, 
they're outgoing and we want to be mindful and, and putting, you know, a good foot forward for the university and for our program. So when they're out and about, right, they'll, they'll make small talk, they'll talk to people, they'll ask how they're doing, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've trained them, like, don't ask a female solo hiker where they're camping, mm. right? Like, that's, like, kind of the easiest mm-hmm. low-hanging example. But, you know, to you, it's innocent. To them, it could seem threatening. Right. It could, and it may not, right? right? But it's just, it's how you have those interactions, right? Yeah. So, and then understanding, you know, and being welcoming, and being a good ambassador and being, you know, able to use teachable moments without being preachy. Yeah. Right? That's that's a hard line. Hmm. So I think we could just, as outdoor enthusiasts and outdoor professionals, just be good stewards and good models. Hmm. And I think that sometimes is enough. And then encouraging, right? Just like if you see the person out there that's hiking and, you know, I'm thinking back to a trip I did recently on the AT where we saw some people hiking up with, you know, big bulky Walmart sleeping bags mm-hmm. and, uh, giant water jugs in both hands. Right. <laughs> Cause they were like, yeah, we didn't know how to filter water. So like, we're just going to carry all our water. So they had like 10 gallons of water on the beach oh, no. and they were just slogging up this hill. And you can, you can be welcoming, yeah. right, and encouraging, yeah. and then maybe use that teachable moment, Yeah. right? Yeah, I think it, for me, it's always been sort of recognizing, like, I started out with no knowledge and grew because of the mentors I had and because of the mistakes that I made. And part of our jobs as outdoor rec professionals is letting people have that process too (laughs) exactly yeah i mean kind of going back to risk management right like if you you know if there wasn't risk we wouldn't want to do any of this stuff right Hmm. so i think some risk is acceptable right Hmm. the way i explain it to my students is i don't want anyone to like be emotionally scarred forever (laughs) you know like i don't want anybody to have ptsd after our trips right uh, and I don't want anyone to like die or break something, you know, but other than that, like blisters are okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. an emotional scratch, emotional <laughs> scratch, growth comes yeah. from those, from those places. Right. So yeah. you do your best to minimize them, but yeah. having the, that experience is, is definitely a growth experience. I love that dude. What has been, you know, a moment of growth and learning for you in your outdoor recreation or your outdoor professional development? Yeah, so I think I'm I'm going through the catalog because there's been so many things I've screwed up over the years. And there's, you know, I I like to think I've learned from all of them. And, you know, my students joke because I was like, oh, I almost died doing this. I almost died doing this. And they're like, well, what haven't you died doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? You've almost died everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, but I haven't. And that's why I'm telling you not to do these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one, I was, when I was working for the scouts, I was leading a canoe trip on the new. And we had about probably 50 people on this canoe trip. And there was three guides with us. Uh Two of the guides, myself included, were 16 years old. And you know the other one, actually, so (laughs) I'm going to keep him nameless. Um, And then a 21-year-old who was technically in charge, but this was his second time canoeing. So they they told him just to listen to us. (laughs) 
canoeing down the new and when a, a microburst storm hit. Yeah. And, right. So we had, you know, it's kind of like a reverse tornado. It's the best analogy I've heard. Huh. And so the air dropped, got really cold really fast. You know, summertime, so it's really pleasant, like 80 degrees. And it got down probably like 60s really fast. And yeah. the wind's blowing and there's lightning. And so we pulled the canoe trip and we got all these these Boy Scouts and, and Scoutmasters even. Like there was probably six or seven adult leaders. And we got them in the lightning position out in this cow field. Which is, if you've never done it, a very hard thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, I think part of it is just convincing people to huddle down in a field mm-hmm. is, is yeah. hard enough. Separate right? and yeah. crouch. And, and so yeah. that's a hard sell, right? And now you're a 16-year-old <laughs> trying to get these people to do this. Uh, so we did it. We did it. And um, it worked out. And so I'm standing in the, in the, the corner of this field and I'm, I'm holding a paddle. Right, aluminum <laughs> paddle, and I'm pointing. Right, and I'm like, you go here, you do this, blah blah blah. And as I'm pointing, arms stretched out, lightning strikes the hill behind me, and I am just thinking, I am a god to these people. <laughs> right, I look so cool right now. And then after the fact, I was like, oh my god, that was so dumb. <laughs> like, you know, like what was I doing with the metal pointing rod? Like, why was that a good idea? And I, I, to this day, I don't know, but now I'm super mindful of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it ended up, we, we had to treat some 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 of the, the participants for hypothermia. Mm. We had a guy ended up getting, scratching himself, getting up the riverbank in a pretty deep mm. cut. Ended up uh, having to kind of evacuate him a little bit more speedily. And, uh, yeah, the 21-year-old was completely useless and ended up deciding not to guide anymore after that trip. And yeah, that was the catalyst for me going to EMT school. Because yeah. after that, I was like, "Wow, I should probably get some more training." That's awesome. I'm gonna keep getting put in situations like this. <laughs> That's all right. Last last question of the podcast. What advice would you give your past self, knowing what you know now? Oh man, <sighs> just go for it. I think there was a lot of times where that voice inside my head maybe kept me back. And, you know, I have a lot of experience um, working in in Appalachia and, and on the East Coast. I think, you know, one of the things I tell my staff and my, my former former staff and former students is, you know, don't, don't stay in one place for super long. Travel around. Mm-hmm. Go to different uh, places and guide different things and... And don't be afraid of it. There's always going to be time to settle down after, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wish I would have taken some opportunities to travel and guide out west a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about wishing and, and revisiting all that stuff is is everything I've done has led me to where I am right now. And I'm really, really happy. So, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have maybe taken some of those opportunities. But I'm, I'm here now and I'm really happy where I'm at. So okay with the decisions I've made so yeah I like that man yeah sweet thank you for being on the show man alright thank you for having me thanks for listening to Between the Guidelines if you have any comments questions or topics you'd like me to cover please subscribe like comment or reach out to me at betweentheguidelines at gmail.com 
If you found any of the information you heard today helpful, consider sharing it with a friend. And thanks for walking between the guidelines with me today.